Now, now there's threads. It's like Instagram's version of Twitter. Oh, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> just when I thought there was going to be another one. Of course there's another one. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Today's Rise and Shadow presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about the social media team for BYU Athletics? Unbelievable. They were incredible. Our thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich, for Blaine, um, Spencer. Hey, our Sardis Nest Pitta didn't get it on the air. Go Cougs. Welcome to Big 12 Country in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Blaine Fowler. It feels right to say that. Yes. <laughs> hey, whenever you and I get to be together, <laughs> Let's go. it's always fun. Let's go. Joining us now, one of your former teammates, a longtime friend of the program, all-around great man, Trevor Maddich, ESPN college football analyst and insider, is with us for a Maddich Monday, the first Monday in July, the first Monday that BYU is officially in the Big 12, Trevor. As you watched all of this unfold from your vantage point, what were your emotions like? You know, it was such a long time coming, right? It's, uh, It's exciting, it's exhilarating, and it's a relief. Because finally it's here, something that, that this program has worked for for a dozen years. And finally it's here. And so the emotions are, are mixed because it's part great and it's part okay. Because then, as, as Blaine knows, as a player, now you, you exhale, you got to this point, and now the work really begins. You know, Trevor, it's, it's interesting. We're asking the fans today, is this enough that to just be in a P5 league finally after this long wait and all the time through independence with football? Is it enough just to be in the league um, right now, or is is you know do you have expectations of what they do here in the first year? Um, what, what about you? Are you just happy for them to be in this, or is there some type of expectation that you have for them? Uh, can they compete in year one? Not necessarily. It, it, in football, I'm going to ask you in football, but across the board in this new conference. I would suggest respectfully that any fans who are just happy that BYU is in the Big 12 in the first year, they need to rethink their competitive <laughs> nature. This is not about a participation trophy. This is not about showing up with a smile and cashing a check. This is about, okay, now they've got to prove that they belong, and then they've got to go out and prove that they can contend. And those things, I expect them to be thinking inside that program, nobody is thinking, hey, we're happy to be here. Everybody is thinking, okay, we're going to win every game, starting with the first one. And in order to contend to do that, there are things they need to do. But first of all is the mindset. And so BYU, you know, Blaine, you were saying that BYU's fans are among the best, you know, in, in the country, and they are. And I can't imagine there are very many of them that might be thinking, hey, we're just happy to be here. Oh, no, not at this place. (laughs) It's interesting. You change one word. We're happy to be here to we deserve to be here. And a few coaches have said that very phrase to me. Look, our, our goal now is to prove that we deserve to be in the Big 12 and we've deserved this for a long time. So, Trevor, with that in mind and focusing on football specifically, what type of record 
would send that message. And maybe it's not as simple as a record. Maybe it's style of play, what BYU does when they get on the field. Like, what would show the Big 12 Conference that BYU deserves the invitation and now officially to be in the conference? I need to be competitive. I think, I think the, uh, from a record standpoint, when you look at their schedule, it's just brutal. It, it's brutal, especially because that Arkansas game is sitting there right before a really tough run of Big 12 conference games, and that'll be a physical game. And BYU will start their Big 12 run beat up because they're going to beat up Arkansas. It's going to be the same way on their end as well. That's going to be a physical game. And if BYU is able to make a bowl game, I think that fans should look at that as being a, a successful season given the schedule that they have. But what, what they need to do in order to get there are several things. I mean, you know, given they need to stay healthy, et cetera. But the offense really needs to carry this thing. This offensive line should be one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12. The, the skill positions have a chance to be very, very good if they can come together from a chemistry standpoint. This offense should be able to score an awful lot of points. Really, it's up to the defense. And the defensive line needs to do a much better job of getting after the quarterback. Last year, they were awful at getting after the quarterback. And the secondary, in order to help them do that, will have to cover man coverage because I expect defensive coordinator Jay Hill to send the house after the quarterback, and that means two things. That means, first of all, the back-end guys have got to cover long enough for the front-end guys to do their work. And second, the guys that are rushing have got to get there quickly to bail out those guys that are on an island in the secondary. So as you watch this season unfold, the most important single question mark will be can they cover long enough for the pass rushers to get to the quarterback? If they can do that, then that six win as a good season could go higher, could go to seven or eight. I like that. Hey, I'm right here going like, amen, Trevor, amen, Trevor. <laughs> like, And I'll tell you what, you mentioned Arkansas. If I have to watch that quarterback drop back on a third and 11 and uh, BYU not get pressure and then him get containment around, get around containment on the end and run 17 yards for the first time, I'm going to punch myself in the face. <laughs> but that's just my own thing. That's my own issue. Don't do that. You're too pretty, <laughs> Bradley. You're too pretty. So 14 teams in this conference this year, Trevor. Where would you be satisfied with them finishing in the conference standings in football? You know, in conference, where would I be satisfied undefeated? Right. Yeah. Uh, that would that I, I still think that way. But but as an, a football analyst, you have to look at what the rosters look like, what the depth looks like and what the, the teams that they're facing look like. I mean, coming off of that Arkansas game in Fayetteville, by the way, they play at Kansas last year, Kansas, up until Jalen Daniels, their quarterback got hurt, was the surprise team in the nation. Game day, college game day. VSPN went to a Kansas football game which is extraordinary <laughs> yeah, then the yeah. quarterback got hurt well and so they lost a few games well now Jalen Daniels is back 10 starters off of that offense are back and so after after what will be a physical game at Arkansas they've got to go to Kansas a resurgence team and that that's a tough one Cincinnati is going to have a really stout defense TCU has reloaded really well through the transfer portal coming off of their last year where they played in the the national championship game Texas Tech is the the trendy pick as a you know a potential dark horse uh, Big 12 champion if somebody sneaks up. Texas, they're at Texas. A lot of people expect them to win the Big 12, and there are people that expect them to beat Alabama in September. Texas is as strong as they've been in a decade. Now, this is the stretch 
of Big 12 games they've got to face after Arkansas. And so it's, it's you know, if, if they can finish somewhere in the middle of the Big 10 in football, or Big 12, I'm sorry, in football, in their first year, I think you've got to look at the players and the coaches and say, you guys did a really good job in your first year as they then continue on to build the kind of depth in recruiting that they'll need to be able to compete at a higher level. ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Maybe you just answered the question, Trevor, when you referenced Texas and that a lot of national analysts believe that the Longhorns are finally, truly back and they might win a Big 12 title for the first time in a very long time relative to their expectations. Are you all in on Texas being the clear favorite to win the Big 12? Yes. Yes. They have an offensive line that will be one of the, the better offensive lines in the country, especially pass protection. Their skill people are phenomenal. They'll have one of the best receiving groups in the nation. Quinn Ewers at quarterback got banged up against Alabama last year, and he struggled a bit. But now he's got a year under his belt in this system, and he is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country. And if they can put all that together, it's going to be really hard to slow them down, much less to stop them. And their defense last year improved about nine points per game over the year before. They're on the rise, and they've got good experience coming back. I mean, it's hard to look at this Texas team and say, yep, that's their weakness that you can exploit. I mean, people that are saying that they can beat Alabama, I'm one of them. I think they're a serious threat to Alabama early in the season, and that means in the Big 12 they're an even bigger threat. You mentioned, Trevor, uh, a dark horse maybe in Texas Tech, but a lot of people have been talking about them. Um, so maybe you're not quite as much a dark horse as we think. It seems like every article I've read has said, hey, Texas Tech's going to compete this year. Don't be surprised by Texas Tech. Is there another team in the league that you say, okay, if Texas Tech is the clear dark horse but not so dark because everybody's talking about them, who's that team that nobody's talking about in the league that could step up and compete for a title? Are people talking about um, TCU? They, I know they're talking I about Kansas State. I think everybody thinks TCU lost too much. You mentioned the transfer portal. Um, I, I, I don't think they expect TCU to be back on top. So that, that would be a dark horse. Are you thinking TCU is going to be back again? I think TCU is going to have another really stout defense. And really on offense, it'll come down to the quarterback position. And, and last year's guy, Max Duggan, that took him to the national championship game, he came in. He wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season. He ended up coming in. The guy who started at the, at the beginning of that season is back, I believe. He's the guy now that had beat out Max Duggan to start with uh, last year. And so, you know, that quarterback position is going to be key to it to be able to pull everything together. But TCU is going to be a real threat. Kansas State, people don't talk about much, but they won the Big 12 last year. They beat TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Then TCU went on to the to the college football playoff. But I think that Kansas State is not a dark horse. Unfortunately for BYU, they're not facing Kansas State. That's the one favor that the schedule makers did for them. Trevor Maddich of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, before we let you go, we have to ask you about a bracket that we've been running for much of the month of June, and now it closes out in early July to determine the best win in BYU football history. It came down to the top two seeds, number one seed, number 1990 against Miami, against the game that you were the starting center in, the 1984 National Championship game. You and Blaine worked very closely <laughs> together in that game to beat Michigan and secure the National Championship. So Miami takes the win. 
How do you feel about Miami besting the 84 national championship clincher? Well, first, let me say this about Blaine in that game. Michigan cheap shot at Robbie Bosco. Uh, one of their defensive linemen slammed into his leg long after he had thrown a ball. He had to leave the field. No one was sure if he was going to come back. The Michigan had momentum at that time. They were fired up. They could smell blood in the water. And in comes Blaine Fowler, at quarterback for BYU. And that's the moment where you would think Michigan would sell out to force mistakes from the backup quarterback. But you know what? Blaine is not a backup quarterback. He was a starting caliber quarterback. And I just looked it up again, Blaine. You threw seven passes during that stretch until Robbie came back. And you completed five of them, didn't you? Yeah, that's because I had good protection. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you had good protection. But but you, but you, the thing is, you completed them to our guys. You did a phenomenal job of keeping the ball rolling and stopping that Michigan momentum right in its tracks when Robbie you know, was helped off the field. And so that was a huge moment in that game. And, and I tell you, Blaine Fowler is one of the unsung heroes, or actually sung, I think. People, people realize what, what you did, Blaine. But one of the heroes, let me put it that way, of that national championship run because of, of what you did in that game. Yeah, Trevor, and here's the thing. I, I go into that game, I step into the huddle, and, and there's Trevor and, and Robert and I and Craig Garrick and Louie Wong and Dave Wright. That's our, our five guys up front, right? And Trevor says to me, hey, we got you. Like, don't worry about this. We got you. Just do your thing, right? And then Robert goes, we got nobody's going to touch you, right? So, so first play, I drop by, and Robert gets beat by his dude. And then I, I have to spin around and roll out, and we make a play. And I go back to the huddle, and I look, and I go, Robert, I thought you had me. Like, and he goes, never will ever happen again in this game. We got you now. And like Trevor and all those guys just shake their heads. But I have to tell you, you, you step into that huddle and with the leadership on that team, Tre Trevor Maddich, great player. Everybody knows how great a player Trevor was. But leadership doesn't get measured enough. And, and the leadership on that team with Trevor at center and the way he – ran the offense from the center position and made all the calls and brought confidence and got us into the right stuff. We don't talk about offensive line. Trevor Maddich is as much a part of that national championship run as Robbie Bosco or Glenn Kozlowski or Leon White or Kurt Govea. That offensive line did a, did a job that season and in that game, and they gave me all the confidence to just come in and play. It was pretty fun. Trevor, have we done a disservice after all of this, uh, you know, Look, looking back on the 84 game and, you know, the nostalgia. Have we done a disservice as the fans ranking Miami's win number one over the 84 National Championship clincher? Yeah, I think that was a collective brain freeze by the fans. Uh, that was a great individual win over Miami. Clearly, they have a ranked number one in the nation, and they came up to Provo, and the, the Cougars hit the Mighty Hurricanes in the mouth and beat them. And that was just incredible. I mean, you, you can take nothing away from that game. That was an individual game. It was great. It sparked the Heisman Trophy run of Ty Detmer. Nothing to take away from that. But the win over Michigan cemented the national championship. Let me say that again. The <laughs> national championship. And that Michigan team was outstanding. You know, people talk about their record coming into that, but they were a, a top, like, five or 17. They were one of the best teams in the country early in the season. And then they lost a bunch of starters. And by the time the holiday bowl rolled around, they had almost all those guys back. I think the only one they were missing was Jim Harbaugh quarterback. Yeah. And so the team we faced was a really good team. So the perspective of it 
is what I believe makes the 1984 win the greatest win in BYU history. That's not to take anything away from those guys who beat Miami. That was incredible, and what a moment. But it was it was it was the the the, the monumental history making. Yeah, yeah. Of the 1984 game was, you just I, I just can't imagine something better than that until they do it again. And now that they're in the Big 12, they're in position now yeah. to do it again. And when they deserve it, they'll be there. I'm just saying amen to everything, Trevor. I, Trevor, I gave him. I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you that Miami was the most talented team and best team BYU's ever played. But from sheer significance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing. We, I don't know if we mentioned it, Trevor. It was only 56%. So it was a split vote. And Miami wins by a hair. Both great wins. But I'm with Trevor on every point that he just made. And, uh, and, and Trevor... We, we, we love you. We're grateful that you would come on the show with us. Um, always great to have my brother Trevor Maddox that took care of me when yes, I came into yes. games every time. I thought you, you gave us the phrase of the day, a, a collective brain phrase. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> thanks, Trevor. Hey, but we love him anyway. That's why there's repentance. There you go. <laughs> thanks, Trevor. Right, Trevor. Hey, tomorrow, tune in on thanks, Independence guys. Day to watch a decade of independence as Spencer and Jerem are joined by Tom Homo as they look back on the program's defining moments in independence and the impact it had on BYU Athletics. Watch tomorrow at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Up next, a loaded Cougar whip around, including a brand new fan to the BYU fan base. I mean, he went out on social media, Blaine, to state his commitment. You don't want to miss it. I love it. it. This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. That's everything. We got it covered. Make it happen. Make it happen. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Blaine Fowler. Let's get to today's headlines. Beginning with... If you missed it, Blaine. Yep, BYU is officially, officially, officially a member of the Big 12 Conference. Celebrated over the weekend with a countdown to midnight and the big party, which you co-hosted. Amazing. The official day was welcomed and celebrated all over the world. I mean, look at this, including, including. <laughs> Fireworks in the distance. Including Times Square. That was amazing. Including Times Square. That was an incredible scene at midnight <laughs> on July 1st. Former BYU golfer Peter Quest for perfection is he's rolling right now boy finished tied for fourth in the rocket mortgage classic on the pga tour 21 under par in four rounds he earned himself uh an over three hundred thousand dollar paycheck as well for his efforts he'll now compete in the john deere classic earned an exemption for that if he finishes top 76 there in the john deere which begins on thursday then he gets special exemption status on the pga tour for the remainder of the season yeah, it's pretty awesome. Basically, and he needs to make the cut. When you're that young, you're just looking for your tour card, and, and he is in a great position. Love Peter. I've played with him. Great human being, too. So, um, How about Michael Rucker? Back up in the bigs. Pitched in two games over the weekend for the Cubs. In two total innings against Cleveland, he allowed one hit, one earned run, and pitched three strikeouts. So keep it going, Michael Rucker. And he Atta hosted Dan McCann's Michael Rucker. Yes, this he weekend, did. Down on the field. So Daniel Schneeman continues to crush quite literally, in AAA baseball, competing for the Cleveland Guardians uh, farm system. He hit his third home run in his last five games for the Columbus Clippers. It's his eighth home run of the season. 
That is a career best in a season for Daniel Schneeman. And we're not even th through, why are we through half the season? Right. This, it's been an incredible like switch flip for Daniel Schneeman. And that's what you do to get picked up and taken into the bigs. That's, he's Amazing. on the track. Those are today's headlines. Now let's opinionate on a number of topics in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Start us off, Wayne. Well, BYU football tweeted an image of the field at LaValle Stadium with painted royal blue end zones and the Big 12 logo on the field. Also in royal blue. Yeah, my question, do you like the royal blue? 100% yes. I've wondered for a long time why BYU has not painted the end zones royal blue. It just, the color looks amazing. It's, it's, it can be seen on TV really well. I love this move by I'm, BYU. I'm, Roy, I'm all royal all the time. I like it. BYU Athletics showed the following during the Big 12 celebration Friday night. Promo in Times Square that we've referenced a couple of times. Blaine, was this the best thing you saw in terms of celebratory moments as BYU went into the Big 12 over the weekend? I loved it because that's my home state and I'm, I'm New York City is my favorite city in the world, but honestly, just the pure energy of the entire program from the yeah. fans, yeah. players, and coaches over the weekend that we got to be part of, you could literally tangibly feel the excitement all weekend long. Um, it That was the thing that was big for me. I just loved the energy in Provo all weekend. Oh, it's, it's incredible. So, it was the best. Huge collaborative effort. BYU Athletics social media was busy this weekend. Friday they posted a This Is Cosmo Big 12 commercial, similar <laughs> to the This Is Sports Center ESPN commercials. Is Cosmo already the best mascot in the Big 12? Yes, he's the best mascot in the country. You put him in any conference, he's number one. Doesn't matter where he goes. He is the best mascot. And Blaine, I would argue, maybe the most recognizable mascot in the country right now because of all of the viral videos and dances he's done. He's number one in the country. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, was, it was crazy. Who's a better mascot that overall he could than Cosmo? Dance, gymnastics, craziness. Yeah, he's the best. Stunts, who's, who's yeah. more versatile? No. Who's more recognizable at this moment than Cosmo? I'm, I'm with you, Cosmo's the best. All right, a shout out to Robbie Triano, a Sirius XM Big 12 radio producer. He. He pretended like he was a high school athlete committing to an athletic department, but this was for his fandom. He's like, I need to, I need to find a team in the Big 12 I'm rooting for. And so he made this post that says, committed to BYU, it's only a remote, which is just hilarious. Hey, this is his new Big 12 team. What's your message to Robbie? My, my message to Robbie is, <laughs> uh, Robbie, I'm your fan now. Like, he says he's BYU is the one he's gonna pick out. I am his fan now. I think that was awesome. Took some thought. What a way to welcome uh, a, a newcomer into the league. I'm a fan of Robbie right now. That is for the sure. Effort and coordination that yep. went into that. So good. So clever. Robbie, well done, man. And welcome. That's my message. Welcome to BYU fandom and BYU Sports Nation. Up next, uh, we're going to take uh, another look back at Saturday's Big Party show, but in a unique way. We're going to take the best sound bites from the athletic director, Tom Homo and others. What did they say on Saturday on day one of Big 12 inclusion? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Station, live from Studio B. Blaine just sharing some amazing Lavelle Edwards quotes with me during the break. <laughs> One day on the show, we, I have to select a few. Uh, we'll just do a show on famous, well, not famous, because there's quotes that he said in private. People don't know how hilarious Lavelle Edwards was. But I'll share them on the show sometime. That's so good. Uh, prominent personalities joined us over the weekend to bring in BYU officially into the Big 12, including Athletic Director Tom Homo. He joined us during what was just an amazing fan fest. If you, I'm not sure what else to call it, but it, it sprawled from the indoor practice facility to multiple practice fields behind the student-athlete building, Blaine. It was a collective effort by David Almodova and Athletic Marketing that just, it deserves significant credit, which is why we're talking about it. But Tom joined us during our two-hour special, so you've heard this before, but I want to go back to it because I thought he said some really, really intriguing things, including... <laughs> You know, Tom's just on the balance of winning expectations and, you know, how you don't become so focused on the results, especially as you move into new territory. Look, we have to win to be relevant. I get that. But it doesn't have to happen this year. But the sooner it happens, the better. And, like, I, you can't tell me that Kalani Sataki in his mind isn't looking at that schedule and say, I need that one. And this one's going to be super tough. And in his mind, you know, I've looked at it realistic. I'd never share with anybody. But it's like it's so hard to do that because if you're ready and if you have a great system and you have a great processes that you're going to get to, the outcome right now don't really matter that much. All right, this is interesting because this is – Kind of why we discussed what we did in our question of the day, which is, are you okay just kind of just being in the Big 12 and letting year one play out and then really turning on the competitive, you know, mode? You and I said, with certain sports, no. Like, we, we expect teams to compete for conference championships. And in football's case, we still expect a, going to a bowl game at worst, right? Yeah, that, we that we is expect the them to be very competi- competitive yes. every week and, and make it to a bowl game. Tom, was it was interesting because he was just saying that um, – there's some things that you learn in the first year in a conference. There's a lot more to the interview, and, and we'll, we'll tell you where you can go um, see the whole thing. In its entirety, he talked about that he's not just focusing only on that. He's looking at how competitive they are and the progress they're making because that first year helps you feel your way, and then hopefully in year two, you make a step forward. Yes, he continues. So, yeah, winning is important. <laughs> don't, don't get us wrong, and Tom almost stated that. Like, winning is almost everything, but he's going to be patient. Now, what – Fans are really excited about, along with you know wins that they hope for, is the money that is forthcoming for the BYU Athletic Department. And you and Dave and crew asked Tom Homo about having more opportunities with the incoming Big 12 money. I think there's uh, you know, resources, financial, human resources, emotional resources. That's a big part of it. And a lot of times that's expensive. So like, I'm going to give you an example. Mental health is a really serious issue in this world today, in our country, in our state, on our campus, in our athletic department. And we have some resources right now that are somewhat finite. Um, We have to be prepared and ready. With more financial resources, you can do more in that one area Mm -hmm. so that they can be better prepared in that one area. And then there's a lot of other areas. So when you're a group of five team or an independent team, you have to pick and choose kind of how you use those resources. We still do. We have to be um, frugal with the money that we make. 
and that we get from our generous donors and that we earn from being in the conference, but then use it wisely. And a lot of people spend money in the wrong ways in college athletics and never win. So you got to use it strategically to put you ahead. It's clear that BYU and Tom Homo want to invest in personnel, Blaine. Yeah. Chad and Lewis told us the same as he mentioned. He week. mentions something that nobody thinks about. These programs that have a bunch of money do a lot of behind-the-scenes things. Mental health, sports psychology, all these things that give them an edge on the field, right? And and BYU only has so much money you know, before now, and so you have to choose. Uh, and, and I think that he's saying with more money, we still have to prioritize, but there's more things that we can do to be better on the field, and I love that. Jennifer Rockwood also joined you, and uh, as did another fantastic women's coach, and Diljit Taylor, who discussed how her teams, they won't change their approach. They're going in to compete right now and win national championships. And she says the Big 12 will only help them get better prepared for what they think is going to be another national championship run. Yeah, I feel like you're seeing programs that have been nationally relevant and dominant for the last decade or so, and that's going to continue to be the same same dreams. Like, let's, let's go compete at the national championship the best we can. Now, what the Big 12 does for us, and this is exciting, is it prepares us a little bit better for that next step. That's what I'm excited for, is get a taste of that competition early on, and I think we'll be a little bit more prepared when we get to the final stage. I love her response. First of all, both she and Jen Rockwood said, no, we're, we're, yeah. we're saying things we're doing. We've been playing for national championships. We've been running in cross country for national championships. Um, but I love the take that Diljeet had, and that's how we played it, where she said, the depth of the conference gives us more opportunities to perform under pressure and maybe even be better when we get back to the national stage. Um, it, it, it's great stuff, and I think, I think it's it's, uh, it's really going to um, elevate these programs who are already nationally relevant and yeah. dominant. You can see that whole fan fest and that whole show live on the BYU TV app right now. Listen to it on demand. Great stuff from all the coaches. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay, up next, a rise of shout out to a group of folks that probably don't get enough credit, but they sure help spread the word. They were magnificent over the weekend. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Teamed up once again with Blaine Fowler. I am Spencer Linton. We now welcome in former BYU and NFL defensive lineman Bronson Kafutsi. Once again with us in the Cougar Council Room as part of Studio B. Bronson, a happy belated 4th of July. How are the celebrations? Oh, the best. little Provo Parade, fireworks, all the good stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, well, you're the mayor's son. Like, you get special treatment within at least the Provo City limits, right? Yeah, do you get special seats and stuff like that for everything? You have to, right? I just go wherever my mom tells me to go. <laughs> Beer, do that. Okay. You know what? That, even when your mom's not the mayor, is that probably not words to live by? No, no, it's true. Just go where mom tells you <laughs> yeah. to go. It's probably good advice for everybody that's out there, I would say, right? Oh, great stuff, man. And a shout-out to your mom, Mayor Kafusi, getting yes. it done in Provo City. Always. All right, on to less important things, you know. Hey, mom and the city, number, number one for you for sure. But, hey, BYU is officially in the Big 12 now. 
So it wasn't just a 4th of July celebration recently, it was on July 1st, BYU getting into the Big 12 celebration. What were your observations of that whole process? It's been a long time coming. <laughs> and I'm just really excited. I feel like it's good energy. I feel like every, all the fans, everyone is just so happy that that <laughs> happened. And as a player, I know a lot of the players are excited, all the coaches are. It's a lot of good energy surrounding it. Yeah, as, as a former player, what did it mean to you like to, to realize that moment, like it's finally happening? I, I don't know. For me personally, I felt like, oh, man, I kind of took – you know, took part in that story you know, along the line there. And so I'm just excited because, okay, now we get to go and share our brand of football, who we are, what we do, you know, what we represent, and now we get to go on an even bigger stage. So it's going to be awesome. You know, we, we've talked a lot leading up to this because we've known about it for a while. Yeah. But, but now all of a sudden it feels real and it feels eminent. It feels like, hey, wait, the next thing is the opening of camp, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so it is real now. And as you think about the reality of the schedule being out and all that, in your mind, what's the best case scenario for BYU in football this fall? Man, that's a really good question. Because I was looking at my phone, and I was like, wow, we're like 60 days away from game one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, camp's here. Like, holy cow. Um, so best case scenario in my mind is we go out and we earn that respect game to game and I feel like we can go and, and be over 500. Okay. Easy. Okay. In my mind. So like oh. a realistic best case scenario, you're looking at like seven and five, eight and four-ish? Is that, is that what we're, if we're putting numbers to it in the win-loss category? Could it be a little bit better than that? What, like it was yeah, I, I think a little bit better. What are you saying? He's saying over, like, so five, if they're over 500 in league, they're five and four, right? That, and if you win all three non-conference games, yeah, then, you're eight. Eight, yeah. then you're eight and four. Then you're eight. Let's go with, if, let's if, go with eight. Let's go so with eight. Realistic best case, eight wins. Let's go with eight. Okay. And you'd be okay with eight. Yeah, I, I feel like that would be really good. Um, just coming into new territory, new land. You're over there trying to figure out the lay of the land, the teams, and like, what strengths do we have that really play well against these teams? Yeah. There is a certain brand of football. That comes with the Big 12. So it's like, okay, well, how do we week in, week out, you know, really yeah. scheme it up and, put, you know, get our strengths working for us? Now, we're asking the best case, worst case scenario question today based on an article that was released by CBS Sports. And so I almost don't like asking, like, okay, what's the realistic worst case scenario for BYU? But we're trying to be fair to the situation. And in the CBS Sports article, it covered the whole spectrum. It said BYU could go winless in the Big 12. Also, they could win the Big 12 championship. And we were like, what? Yeah, that's anybody. That's <laughs> hey, way to go on a limb, dude. Right? Okay. So we gave our worst and best case scenarios, realistically speaking. Yeah. Like, what, what would be a, a worst case scenario that you feel like could actually happen if BYU is not careful? That's a really good question. It's interesting that they went so polar with that, with that situation there. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking we just don't get the opportunity to go to a bowl game. Okay. Because that's always been my mind when I go into college football is at the worst, you don't get to go to a bowl game. Yes. Like the very worst. Like, so let's win five. So. So worst is five. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of in line with what, yeah, we've sure. been, what we've been talking about. We're, we're all kind of thinking on the same page. You know, there was a lot of talk this weekend 
um, from multiple sources. Tom Homo was one that just said, hey, now that we're in the Big 12 and this new revenue is coming in, there's some things we need to do with this, with this revenue, upgrades we need to make. Um, what, what do you think are the pressing things that BYU needs to address to be able to compete in the Big 12, not just in football, but across the board? A big, big thing I know with recruiting and the other Big 12 schools are these expansion announcements. So these facilities are getting upgraded. You know, you have different things from the weight room. I know we did our locker room here at BYU, which is awesome. Um, but there's so many different things that you can add to your facilities that when recruits come, because they're gonna be comparing. Yes. The moment they step yes. on campus, they start comparing. Oh yeah, this, this, this. So it's like, okay, we got to let them know we're a player. Like we, we can play with anyone and uh, you can compare us to anyone because we know we can stand up to them. And at any level too, as far as facilities, locker room, weight room, uh, then like the different things as far as, uh, you know, training goes, all those little, little things that come like, oh, you get like your smoothie built for you here. You get a personal <laughs> one, you know, like in the NFL, right? So it's, you know, trying to make it, you know, trying to make it so recruits feel yeah. that, wow, they're, they're about it here. Okay. You know? so. Yeah. Big time. Like the glitz and glamour and the shiny and the fancy and the new. It matters. <laughs> thanks right? to social media. It <laughs> yes. Yes. Thanks to social media. It matters now. So put your shoes or put yourself in the shoes of a recruit right now, Bronson. Mm -hmm. Like specify a facility or something in your facilities tour that would resonate with you. Like what are we talking about? Like would the weight room be like at the top of the list? Would the locker room be at the top of the list? Like what do you care most about in all of those facilities? I would really, really care about where I spend most of my time as an athlete. So for me, it's the locker room, Okay. right? Um, it's the weight room. It's the meeting rooms. It's also, you know, the, the education tech aspect of football. Because football, you know, as we all know, there's so much, like so, so much time that goes into studying. Yes. So it's like, okay, how do they get the edge on people? Because everything's about getting the edge. So in, in all those areas, it's like, okay, recovery, right? The training room, huge. You spend hours in there. Um, and so all those things kind of put together are really like what I would, okay. I would expect, you know. The things that impact you every single day. Every day. So it's interesting because the stadium impacts the fans. Tom Holmo talked about that a little bit. But the stadium itself, as long as there's – you're never 65,000 <laughs> fans and they're watching you're good with that. Though. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you hear the roar no matter what. Inter interesting take. And I'm not going to make you get into detail on this, but I know you keep track of basketball. You guys are a big basketball family as well. Is is BYU going to be able to compete in the Big 12 in basketball and if not right away? How how long is this going to take for BYU to adjust to Big 12 basketball, the best league in the country? Now, basketball is a different animal. Right, because, and I, I know this is from going from football to basketball, um, but with anything in college sports, there's a big recruiting swing that happens. I mean, you see it when teams join any conference. And so uh, for me, I, I'm thinking, okay, we get that going, then, I mean, those wins start coming. And basketball is unique because there's less people on yes. the court. Yeah. So actually it takes less moves to get to that you know, level. And so with football, there's a lot more people out there, way, you know, and, 
And so it's, it's a different mixture over here. But with basketball, it's like, oh, if we get like these two guys, they're taking most of the minutes and they're doing really well and they kind of carry like the whole team, it can, it can move really fast. An impact transfer yeah, can make it, a massive, it's, it's just, massive it's, difference. We haven't really talked about that much, and I'm glad that Bronson brings that up because it is a quicker turnaround. The, I think the gap is bigger, but the turnaround can be quicker because if you have two superstars, you have two NBA guys and three guys that are just are role players, you're okay, right? So that's but a great Blaine, point. Look at a, a team from the Big 12 like Kansas State last year. Right. Okay? Team that got to the Elite Eight. Like they were picked to finish last in the conference, and they got impact transfers immediately, and all of a sudden you're in the elite eight. Yeah, like it just it can happen fast. Great, great stuff from Bronson Kafusi. Thanks for coming in, brother. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it, it, Bronson. Hey, this Friday, join us for BYU football. Great moments as told by players, Volume Two, as players uh, including Max Hall's heroic uh, heroics against Utah. I love Max Hall's <laughs> against you. And I also like his smack talk. Ty Detmer, Luke Staley, and more Friday, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Remind me, does Max like Utah? Oh, man. Okay. Well, I, I love his smack talk against Utah. <laughs> Who is BYU's most underrated defensive player? We'll tell you our picks next. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Based on a CBS Sports article, which said BYU could in, win the league in one reality, play the championship, play in the Big Twelve championship game, and in Oregon skunked <laughs> another league in another reality, they could win zero Big Twelve games. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what about TCU? You know what? I think the range is they might not win a game, or they might win them all. <laughs> they might go wow. to the national championship or anything or in between. Last. I don't want to go out on a limb here, but. <laughs> Best so. and worst case scenarios are on topic. Ben Peterson on Twitter, in response to our question of asking, well, what are your realistic, realistic best and worst case scenarios? He said, I think the best case is that all the new parts come together. 20 transfer portal players, Blaine. 20. Yeah. yeah. And they make the conference championship game. Whew. Worst case is BYU is overwhelmed and win one to two conference games. I think it'll be in the middle of these two scenarios. Blaine, I just... I do not see any scenario with this talent, depth, staff, where they don't win at least three conference games. I, I just can't, I can't fathom that, that they win fewer than three Big 12 games this season. Well, and a bunch of teams are coming to Lavelle Edwards Stadium that haven't played in Provo before at elevation in that environment. They're going to have a little bit of a rude awakening. I have confidence in BYU at home. Yes. And so, so I feel like... I think they're like going to go at worst five that, that, and one that, That's why I've said seven wins is my kind of watershed you know, over under because I feel like they're going to be really... I think five and one at home is very realistic. That's not crazy. Five and one, it absolutely could happen. With, with maybe their only loss being Oklahoma. I don't know, though. Oklahoma or Texas Tech interchange them, right? Um, and, and who knows? But I don't, I don't think they lose both of those games at home. And so there you go. Okay. I, I just feel like they're 5-1 at home. I mean, even if they do, Blaine, even if BYU loses two games at home, 4-2, okay? okay? I think that's the worst-case scenario, realistically speaking, home schedule. 4-2. Right. I agree with you. 4-2. They're not losing to Cincinnati. That stadium's going to be absolutely juiced yes, it will. on that Friday night against yep. a team that lost a ton and is dealing with new coaching staff. and all. They're, they're yep. trying to figure some things out, okay? Yep. Yep. Then BYU's going to beat Iowa State. 
and they're going to win the first two games as well. There are your four there wins go. right there. Yeah. And that's, that's if they lose to Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Yeah. Then go and win at West Virginia. The, the, I'm telling you, this, this league is going to find out how good BYU's home field advantage is, and it, and it, is, yes. it is significant. So, hey, Cougar Stats on Twitter says, realistic, in quotes, is a pretty vague term. Yeah, really it is. But four to eight wins for the regular season seems to be the re- okay. range. You and I are saying five, five, to, five, five to nine. Five to nine, right? Yes. ESPN FPI gives an 84% probability that the win total falls in this race. Four to I, eight. Like, I like, hey, Cougar Stats, that's, I like analytics. There you go. Okay. So. But, yeah, we're, we're not far off. Five to nine. Like, five is the low yeah. for us. Nine would be, like, the best. Yeah. Anonymous Anonymizer on Twitter says, Before the 1996 BYU season, the coaching staff was very motivated and brought in a junior college quarterback, Steve Sarkeesian, right. and secondary players, Tim McTyre and Omar Morgan. Mm-hmm. They also had a new premier offensive tackle and new running backs. I'm not predicting 1996-esque results because, again, it's not playing in the whack. But they said this offseason does remind me of 1996 a little bit. That's a, that's a nice reminder because that was a reminder of a very nice season. So A cool 14-1 and one and a number five national ranking and a Cotton Bowl win. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from David Stubbs on Instagram who says, best case, Eight and four. Worst case, six and six. So he's not even going to a losing record at all. You know what? I don't, David, I get it. You don't want to take your mind there, and we're okay with that. <laughs> he's not even going to take his mind to not go into a bowl game. Okay, David, we're with you on Just that Just get one. to a bowl six game. Six and six is the worst. Eight and four is the best. So he gives us a little narrower range. He's willing to stick his neck out and give us a narrower range. I like it. So. <laughs> he's not the Big 12 championship, or right. you could win none. Right. Well, <laughs> hey, we appreciate all of your comments. If you missed any interviews... Uh, Deep Blues shows or games, you can find them on BYUSN.com. Always available there. Or download the BYU TV app to get all the BYU TV sports content on demand. That BYU TV app is awesome. I mean, you can go back and watch all kinds of great stuff from as far back as you want to go. So if you want to be connected, get that BYU TV app or go to BYUSN.com. Today's Rise and Shout Out up next, and it goes to an elite usage of one of the all-time great shows, Seinfeld. I feel like you should read this next sentence in Jerry Seinfeld voice. This is BYU Sports Nation! Uh, BYU offensive lineman Kingsley has been named to the preseason All-12 Big 12 team. Uh, he started 12 games for the Cougars last season, allowing zero sacks. Mm-hmm. He was one of just four sophomores to make the list. Wow. Uh, the Big 12 preseason media poll will be released later this afternoon. Former BYU women's golfer Alicia May Mateo, elite to the very core, will compete in the United States Women's Open today in Pebble Beach, California. How cool is that? Former She's BYU. In the U.S. Open. That, that is. She yeah. tees off at 5:57 p.m. Eastern, so uh, that's just before 4 p.m. Mountain. Um, we we have good athletes, man. That's, I don't think I don't Brian, think, we're spoiled. I, we don't, we're spoiled. We don't recognize our other athletes as much as football and, and basketball, but you know, um, we we're we're well rounded. Uh, former BYU golfer Peter Quest competes in the John Deere Classic today. Yep. Uh, he finished tied fourth last week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. He's set to tee off today at 3:22 Eastern. Another dude on the PGA Tour. Yes, Former BYU running star Courtney Wayman running the steeplechase at the United States, or sorry, the USA Track and Field Championships in Eugene, Oregon tonight. Wayman won the steeplechase national title for BYU in 2022. 
Men's Volleyball Science transfer AJ Cottle, the 6'8 middle blocker played for UVU's club uh, team last year. I'll always take a 6'8 middle blocker in yes. volleyball. <laughs> yes, sir. Brandon Davies, <laughs> former BOA basketball star, signed a two-year deal with Valencia Basket in the EuroLeague in Spain. He's now entering his seventh season in EuroLeague play. He's a, he's a vet, averaging uh, over 10 points and three rebounds a game last season for Olympia Milano. Those are today's headlines. Now let's offer some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Jordan Reed released his first 2024 first round NFL mock draft and had Kingsley uh, 29th overall to the San Francisco 49ers uh, in the fourth offensive tackle taken. Okay. What do you think about that? Well, I think he's a lock for the first round at this yeah. point, Brian, I can tell you that much. Uh, I've seen enough from Todd McShay and Jordan Reed. and yeah. I, I think that Kingsley has earned the right to be a consensus first round projection going into the NFL draft. Now it's just a matter of, uh, is he gonna go, and I've seen him as high as like number nine. I see, yeah, I've seen him in nine like, too. Like the latter part of the top 10, to where he is now being projected by Jordan Reed at number 29. So I think he's gonna go in the first round somewhere. Can he climb into the top 10 is what's gonna be really fun to watch. I Big agree. game boomer tweeted a graphic of what he wants college football conferences to go back to. So in an alternate universe, if BYU wasn't a member of the Big 12, I hate to even think about that because we're all so excited about it, would you be okay with BYU going back to the old WAC, which would include the following schools? Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, Utah, Wyoming, UTEP, New Mexico, and Colorado State. Ew. Ew. <laughs> no. no I want the Big 12. No thanks. That doesn't sound attractive at all. Give me the like, Big 12. Well, I mean, the rivalries with Utah and then like the old rivalries in the 70s was always with Arizona State. Like Arizona State was awesome in the 70s and they typically dominated BYU. BYU finally got over the hump. Yeah. And that's when they started to win under Lavelle and win WAC championships. That's fun, but no. Yeah. No, I'm not okay with this. I'm not, not on one. Give me no the part. Big 12 all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, officially BYU is in the Big 12. Is that enough? Just to be in for a successful year one as the Cougars take on the Power Five. Plus, it's a Maddich Monday with my teammate and brother Trevor Maddich. We'll talk with him about how he feels now that BYU is in the Big 12, where he expects BYU to finish in the conference standings in year one, and what he thinks is the best win in BYU football history. All this and more. Now that's how you do a Monday, Blaine. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I am Spencer Linton. As I just mentioned, Blaine Fowler joining me. And you are now officially a Big 12 sports analyst. I'm trying to think I've done a Big 12 game before, but now you're right. It's official because I'm going to do some Big 12 stuff now. I may have done a Big 12 game. I've done <laughs> at, some, at some point. I was thinking back. I've done yeah. a couple games at Texas Tech, but it wasn't officially a Big 12 yeah. announcer. I was like a guest doing a Big 12 game. Yeah. So now it's on, this, man. This is big time Now stuff. you are the guy. I mean, what an incredible weekend for yeah. sure. Oh, unbelievably fun. And uh, the energy was palpable everywhere you went this weekend as BYU officially in the Big 12. So on today's show, 
what does BYU Athletics need to do in year one in the Big 12 to call it a success? Or is just being in the conference enough? Um, or, or our BYU football best wins bracket championship. Yeah. You, you guys have been working on that um, for quite a while here. You've got a dog in the fight. I got Wayne. a dog in the fight. We've <laughs> talked about this. There's, yeah. there is a, I mean, there's reasons for each, but we're going to reveal who won that championship. Is it 1990 Miami game or is it the 1984 Michigan um, that's crowned the best win? And the fans weighed in on that. Um, ESPN's Trevor Maddich, as we mentioned, will join the program. Um, what are his emotions with BYU now officially in the Big 12? Plus sound from the big party this weekend uh, from Tom Homo, Jen Rockwood, Diljeet Taylor. Um, video, we, we've got it all for you. We're going to relive this weekend a little bit in the show today. Listen, typically this is where I tell people to rise and shout, but there's something we need to take care of now that BYU is oh, officially right. a team in the Big 12 Conference. Hit it! Countdown to the Bearcats. 61 days. Okay, 61 days away from BYU's first football game as a member of the Big 12 Conference. We've been counting down to the Big 12. Well, it's done now. Yeah. So now we can just push it forward to Sam Houston in the first football game on September 2nd. It's, it's, it's almost weird to think that because we've been counting it down. The, the announcement was long enough ago, um, and we've been counting down to Big 12 Day. It's, it seems hard to just turn the page. <laughs> And we're not counting that down anymore. But but I am I am glad to be counting down to a game against Sam Houston in 61 days. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was almost two full years. I mean, that invitation came on September 10th, 2021, and it was made official on July 1st of 2023. So the long wait is over. It's pretty cool. And the long wait for an actual football game is, relatively speaking, almost over. So now we rise and shout and get to what's trending. We are going to see a BYU we have never seen. There's never been a better time in the involvement of the Big 12 than right now. Prepare for what is going to be the best version of BYU ever. What's Trending presented by Feastbox. Donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. We just mentioned to Blaine, what a weekend for BYU. Like, it, it was interesting to talk to Commissioner Yormark and talk with Tom Homo about this whole transition state for BYU because he, Brett Yormark didn't realize that BYU was going to go all in and celebrate the way that we did with fan fests and a midnight countdown and renting space in Times Square on the, you know, on the video boards there as BYU becomes a Big 12 team. But as you watch all of this unfold... Not just your reaction, but what, what did this weekend mean to you as a former athlete and longtime BYU sports analyst? It, it was huge because we've been waiting for this for a long time. I mean, we're, we're talking about since 1984 when we won that national ch championship. I feel like immediately following that, there was a rally by the, the then, I don't, we, we didn't call them power fives back then, by that group to say, what do we do to keep this from ever happening yeah. again? A, a team like BYU, outside the power structure, they cannot ever win a national championship in football again. And we had the BCS and all those things. So for me, it was, hey, guess what? BYU's back in. Now BYU is a power five. They're on the outside looking. It's very satisfying that it's come full circle. And, and they have a shot. I'm not saying they're going to win one anytime soon in college football because it seems like Alabama and Ohio State and a few others have a grip on that, although TCU from the Big 12 did play in, that, in the championship game last year. But 
But to me, that's what it means. And I'll tell you what, my thoughts on this last weekend, uh, your mark has to be impressed because BYU's fans, they showed up big time. And they're so excited. As we talked to coaches, we talked to players, there was this real sense of excitement and energy. Um, we had Amber Whiting on the show on, on Saturday. And we got off, when we went to a break, I wanted to go play. She got me so fired up to be, to be in the new league. She's like, let's go, let's go. She just kept saying, let's go. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's get in this league and compete. I also note from that, as, as, as we're there, BYU's fan base is second to none. I mean, who has a better uh, international, not just national, international fan base? The way they showed up in huge numbers with such great enthusiasm was impressive. Um, this, I noted on my way out. Yeah. Um, where are you from? So people came and put pins. Now remember, this isn't where are you watching the show from, because we have people watch the show from Japan and Korea and all over the place. These are people in attendance on Saturday in they Provo. They came to Provo for the big fan festival and put a pin. I, we were counting it up. Colton, our producer, said he thinks that 47 states are represented there. They came from all over. Where are you from? Well, BYU's fan base is from everywhere. This was impressive. I knew this. But graphically, when I looked at that, I was so impressed with that. And, and then after, after interviewing Tom Homo along with several players and coaches, it's apparent that some programs are more ready than others to compete in the Big 12. We sure, knew that. Sure. But, but here we are in it, and we start talking, and you start to go, oh, maybe this program's not quite ready. Maybe this one is. But the whole weekend to me was mostly about, about the fans, this great fan base. They deserve this. Yeah, it, it was a celebration in every way, shape, and form. I wasn't sure what was going to happen on Friday night. Uh, I was asked by BYU Athletics to co-host the celebration, the countdown to midnight, along with uh, Alema Harrington, one of your former teammates right. and a longtime broadcaster, and Jerem, of course. And you know, going into it, I thought it'd be cool if there are you know a few hundred fans to show up. And who's going to stay up on Friday night on? June 30th into July 1st on a holiday weekend. How many people are even going to be here to do this? And Blaine, they just, the fans just kept coming through the gate. Like, I was like, we got to start the show and the line's still way out into the parking lot. Holy cow. So, I mean, it was only a half an hour show, but what an incredible job by athletics. They had people with cowboy hats with royal blue lights uh, on the outline of the hat. They were giving away, you know, um, what, what do they call those? Those batons that light up blue, you know, that they give away in the rock as well. And glasses and blue goggles that light up. It, like, so to see, like, I don't, I don't know how many people were there. Over a thousand. Yeah. Like, at midnight, a, right? At midnight. See a thousand people just go absolutely nuts when the countdown clock gets here. And then there are fireworks exploding off in the distance, set off at Eleven <laughs> Fields. It, I told my friends after that were, they were there, it was like an emotional overload in the most wonderful fashion, Blaine. There were so many things happening all at once. And I was like, this is what it, this is what it feels like. It's, yes, it, it, this is what it feels like to be in the Big 12. Pretty amazing. And the, lie, the why was lit right at the at midnight. midnight, right? Which, yeah. is, which is really cool to look up and see that. And, and we're seeing some video, video footage. Chaos, Blaine. It, hey, the wonderful fans that chaos. showed up, which was a lot, they were rewarded in a big way. BYU uh, promotions and marketing and all that. What an amazing weekend that they put on for the fans and the fans deserved it we just saw a video clip of what you mentioned that uh, <laughs> the in in times square yes 
You rent you rent video that's, board hey, space in that's, Times that's, Square. That's my home state, you know. Welcome and, to the Big Twelve. And when you're in the Big Time, you're in Times Square. And BYU, you know, welcome to the Big Twelve in Times Square. What is that? Broadway and Forty Second yeah, downtown, right, New right York down City? in Times Square. Goodness. Um, but yeah, between Forty Fourth and Forty Seventh, right there. You know, you're in the Big Time. Yeah, I was. If, hey, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Somebody should put that in a song. You know what? I think you're onto something there, Blake. Okay, there okay. You go. we should probably contact a few <laughs> Billboard artists to see if we can make that happen. Okay, well, oh, incredible. It, stuff. What a great weekend! So now, now, question, question for for you and for everyone out there: With BYU officially in the Big Twelve now, so it's happened. We've been looking forward to it. Now it's there. Are you happy and satisfied with finally just being in a P5 conference for this first year? Is that enough right now, or is there some level of success? Um, that's needed in year one for you to be happy about this transition now. And what does that look like? If there's some level of success, what does that look like? And I'm talking about more in general terms, not just for football. Yeah. But what does that look like for you to be okay? This is an interesting question for a program like BYU Athletics. Because the standard has been so high for so long in every other conference that they have competed in, and BYU in large part, has relished and thrived in the underdog role, Blaine, against mm. Big 12 teams and other Power 5 conference teams. They've utilized this as, hey, look, we're right there with you. In fact, <clears throat> more often than not, we can beat you, especially in the Olympic sports. Right. Okay? So there's this, there's this standard that has been set, but now that BYU is a Power 5 team, how do you maintain that underdog mentality and go and still compete for championships and expect to be you know, a championship caliber team. Like managing expectations is a tricky beast this first year. It, it really depends on the team for me, it, it, you know, and it's, it's going to be, I can't give you an overall encompassing general answer where it's like, oh yeah, the whole athletic department's in the Big 12. If they don't, you know, if they have losing records, whatever, we're in the Big 12. We get all the money, it's great. I can't do that. The teams have been so good and the athletic department has been so consistently good at, at succeeding with fewer resources and getting the most out of their athletes, again, generally speaking, that the competitor in me says, Blaine, we're, yes, it's awesome. It's, it's a success to get into the Big 12. It's a culmination of all of these efforts. But if soccer doesn't go and compete for a Big 12 championship and volleyball is you know, not a top three or four team in the Big 12 conference, there will be a level of disappointment for me. We're spoiled, okay? That's what I'm feeling right now. I'm spoiled. That, I have, that I'm feeling like, oh, no, soccer, like they should be right there for a title. I think BYU football, if they finish, you know, I mean, there are 14 teams in the conference. If they finish four and five in their ninth place or whatever and they win seven games, awesome. But I, I'm not going to be okay really, fall sports specifically speaking, with a losing record of any of those teams. I'm not going to be okay with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Hey, just win. Just win, right? And for football, I think a winning record in a bowl game is maybe the benchmark, but but you're right. I look at some of these programs and I'm thinking, soccer you mentioned specifically. They this is a program that competes for national championships, not league championships, and they're coming from a league. We had a chance to meet with Jen Rockwood. We're going to share some of that with you a little bit later in the show. But we're you have Santa Clara just won a national championship. Portland's been a nationally ranked team. So so the WCC is a very good soccer league, but maybe the Big 12 is a little bit deeper. Um, top to bottom. Uh, top to bottom. Yes. There may be a couple more good teams. But when BYU's coming from that league and they've played in a national championship game, they've been a top five team in the country, I'm going, why not go win a conference championship here? And I think that that's what 
the players and staff are thinking, right? I, I think volleyball, women's volleyball is thinking, yeah, let's go. Like, we can compete in this league. Perennially a yeah, top 20 wi- team. Women's softball, I think Gordon Eakins and his crew are thinking, let's go win a championship, you know? And, and certainly, um, you know, in the fall, it would be cross country. And then in the spring, um, track and field, both men's and women's. They compete for national titles in the fall every year in cross country. So why not go win a championship? So, so here's what I'm going to say. If, if they don't win some, at least one championship. One conference championship. If they, there, I predict there will be a conference championship or two in the fall season. And the springs will be a little tougher because BYU's really good sports compete in the fall, right? But if they don't win one or two championships and they're not nationally relevant in this first year, I'll be, disapp- I'll be disappointed. Just How about that? Yeah. yeah. The, the, again, the programs, the Olympic sports, that's how we term them here at BYU Broadcasting, the, the sports outside of you know, football and basketball, they've been so good that there's just this, this standard. They should they, be ready to like, roll. They're already Power 5 ready. Yes. And have been there for a long, long time. So why would we be like, oh, yeah, let's just oh, it's take, okay. a, let's New take conference. a step, no. take a step No back. way is that okay with us. Yeah. With football specifically, yeah, there's, like, we're a little bit more lenient and patient because it's just – it's And, and uh, certainly in the winter, basketball, we're going to be patient. Yes. They're not there yet. Those teams are not where women's soccer and women's volleyball are on the national scope. They're not. Right. Like consistently just not there. They're not sweet 16 good every year, right? Right. So, got to be patient there, but, you know, I'm, I'm not all in love. The, hey, we're playing with house money. If losing records, yeah. no. Hey, it's clear. You and I have some high expectations yes. for this program. All and, I, and that's okay. I think okay. that's okay. I think, I it's, think okay. it's okay. Our question of the day centers on that very conversation. What does BYU Athletics need to do in year one of the Big 12 to call it a success? This is the at- entire athletic department, all sports involved, not just football and basketball. At Nate S. Dunn says on Twitter, I think success is being 5-4, and four, speaking of football, in conference play, makes the Cougars basically bowl eligible, not losing to Southern Utah and Sam Houston. That's a given. And a good start for the future. It also means they beat one of Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and TCU, which is awesome. Yes, there will be multiple opportunities for quality wins. Yeah, you go 5-4, and four, Blaine, how would, if you're 5-4 if you're and four in year one of the Big 12 in a 14-team conference – in football, and you go seven and five, how do you not call that a success? I, I actually think you get to a bowl, which means you win six games, you're doing pretty well. Although I, I think they're going to do better than that. I think seven is a better kind of a midpoint. Where seven, I'm, I'm completely happy with seven, but I'm not surprised by eight, and I'm not flabbergasted by nine. Because wow. it, it depends on how they start. And, and, you know, getting ready for the season, I've gone back and looked at every single team and what they have coming back and their strengths and who's new on the coaching staff and all that. And there's some perennial powers there that I think are going to be down a little bit this year. Not Texas, right? But, but so, so don't be surprised if BYU has a better first six games than everybody's expecting. And if that yeah. happens, why not seven, eight, nine? <laughs> So I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not sure. expecting that, sure, sure. but I'm, I'm not flabbergasted yeah. by that. Vegas expects five and a half right. wins for BYU. Right. So they've been wrong before. I, I, they absolutely <laughs> have. I would love to be way over that line. All right, hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to continue to join that specific conversation. Uh, before we go to our first break, as Blaine told you a moment ago, we need to reveal the winner of our BYU football 
best wins bracket. What a way to kick off July with this Big 12, you know, energy around us. If you missed it, we seeded the top 16 wins in BYU history. It was chalk. This was significantly validating for me, right, Blaine. Right, right. I was on a committee that seeded these, small committee. Colton, shout out to you too, brother. But this has been validating because it's been chalk all the way to one versus two, which is 1990's upset of Miami, led by Ty Detmer in Provo, and a game you played in, and you took significant, meaningful snaps in the 1984 National Championship clincher against Michigan in the Holiday Bowl. Which win was the best? The results are in. You voted. The fans voted. We gave you the seeds, the matchups. You voted. And you say with 56% of the vote, the best win in BYU football history is 1990 against the number one team in America, Miami, when Ty Detmer launched his Heisman Trophy winning campaign. I don't think there's a wrong answer in this. And the fact that it was 56%, meaning that it was almost split right down the middle. I'm okay with that. And here's what I say. Miami is the best team BYU has ever beaten in its history. So yes, this is kudos to that. Because not only did they win the previous year's national championship and the national championship the next year, this year they went on to play in the Cotton Bowl and finish, I think they finished number three. Number three. In the country. This was a great football team and a great football program. So kudos, but which win won the most? Yeah, which meant the most. Which meant the most. 84 means the most because it meant the only national championship in school history. They're both phenomenal. I love that the vote was almost split. I'm okay with giving the nod to 1990 because that's the best football team BYU has ever, ever played. So I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the two most notable accomplishments in BYU football history are, yes, one, the national championship, and two, Ty Detmer's Heisman Trophy. Absolutely. And those two wins are the the centerpieces of those accomplishments. Absolutely. Hey, BYU Sports Nation will hit the road to Dallas for Big 12 Media Days. We'll have you covered with interviews with Kalani Sataki, Keaton Slovis, Cody Epps, a number of other head coaches and players from the Big 12 teams. Make sure to watch on July 12th, 13th, and 14th at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Up next, why not kick off July in a Monday with a Maddich Monday? Trevor Maddich, another guy who played in that 1984 National Championship game, We'll weigh in on the best wins bracket and what are his expectations like for BYU athletics overall now that the Cougars are in the Big 12. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Almost impossible to stop. Austin Demeka and the foul. Bob Demeka. He's just a double double waiting to happen every time he steps up. And Goliath goes down. BYU wins it. Oh, I love those words, especially when it happens at the kennel in Spokane. Yeah, we are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play alongside Brian Logan. I am Spencer Linton. We welcome in the man who was responsible for one of the greatest wins in BYU basketball history. Played a huge role that night. Eric Mika yep. is back with us in Studio B. Fun here. game. Oh, man. That- everyone, everyone still asks me about it. It's everyone's favorite How can it not be? For me. Like, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Undefeated number one. Down senior night, senior night at their place <laughs> again. I played uh, two or three seasons ago in Serbia, 
and jo um, Josh Perkins. Oh yeah, was point, guard point guard for that team. Yeah, and, and we were close. We were roommates on the road a lot of times. And he's he, a good dude. By he's way. still yeah, great dude. Still mad about it, <laughs> which is awesome. So Josh, if you're listening, sorry, there, sorry, I had to put you on blast on TV, but there, yeah. there, there's like maybe two to three games as athletes that we play that we we remember and we remember when i say remember like we remember yeah. the details like yeah. i remember what i ate the morning th that we played oklahoma and beat them because that was the big game right. for me is yeah. that was that is that game similar to you it was in some ways i i couldn't tell you what i ate <laughs> but I, I i mean i remember every detail of the game i remember after the game i remember coming flying back to provo like it was it was awesome yeah. i mean just because it's been brought up so many times yes you play it in your mind so many times yeah. and um, you know, great moment, uh, special, special moment for that team. And I'll, I mean, I'll never forget. Did you guys it. have fans waiting at the airport? We did. Yeah. yeah. It was like two, three in the morning yeah, and there were hundreds too. of people. It was awesome. Yes. I think that, I think that was the best. Oh man. The, the best, best part. The best part base? was yeah. the fans with signs. Yeah. And I was like, how'd you guys make these? Little right. Fans? Yeah. Um, but, Arts and but, crafts. But <laughs> just ready to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, your life's changed a little bit since then. A lot of it. Okay. <laughs> True. Okay. Uh, it's changed a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I say that tongue in cheek, but my gosh, you and your wife, Gabby, just had your second child. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. How is it again? It's great. I, the second time around is a lot easier. I mean, knock on wood, it, but it's going well. Um, you know, my wife said she's a champion. She's a warrior. She's recovering great. Um, holding down the fort while I'm running around doing stuff like this and still working out. Um, Got to stay in shape because I have some stuff coming up. Um, but it's been great. You know, it, it was a wild, wild thing when the first or the second night, you know, we left our room and our, our new son, his name is Matthias. Matthias was crying. I left that room and then I went upstairs and Johannes was crying. So going from one room where there was a crying baby to a second room where there was another crying baby was, was a bit surreal, but it, I mean, it, it's been amazing. That's incredible. Johannes is, he's a character, man. He is. He's a character. You saw him down in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. That guy just, he just rules whatever room he walks he in. He is the most social yeah. toddler. Yeah. That maybe I've ever met. And I have some social kids. No, he's he's one of a kind. He's he's hilarious. <laughs> he loves a crowd, loves loves and loves all the energy, feeds off it. He's a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic, man. And sincere, sincere congratulations. Thank to you. you and yeah, Gabby. appreciate it. And Thank you. If she's watching Gabby, like he gave She'll you a watch. shout out. She'll you, watch eventually. You, you, yeah. des you deserve this for sure. Okay. Um we were talking um a few weeks back and, and you said, you know, you informed me like you're starting this new podcast. Yeah. And I got super fascinated by it because I feel like it's not a topic that has really been addressed a ton. Right. And that is, you know, and you can go into detail here, but essentially, what do athletes do after they're done playing the sport that they have grown to love and it has become such a part of life? When that ends, well, now what? Right. Um, and that's kind of a tricky, scary area for, mm -hmm. for some guys that have only known that. Yeah. Um, so first of all, what, what made you want to do that and... You know, what are the nuances of this thing? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing I'd say is there are resources, right? Like your parents usually being one. My parents were one. I'm sure they were trying to get me to do these things. And, and going to camps and clinics um, in high school and college, you have career counselors. You have, you have lots of resources, right? I just think sometimes you need someone that speaks the same language, that's been through the exact same things you've been through. Um, you know, maybe it's someone that you look up to on the, on the playing field that will relay that message in a way that's a bit easier to, to receive as like a kid. Cause 
you just don't listen as a kid, at least not enough. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to be that resource that kids can listen to and can relate to that, you know, they understand maybe the language a little bit better because, you know, it's coming from other athletes that yeah. have done it. Uh, but basically what happened, um, you know, Chad Lewis, Chad is like so sick of me just pinging him all the time and, and also dragging him into all these stories that I'm telling. But Chad was really the catalyst. Um, he came down to an Ignite game in Henderson in January. He was going to a Chiefs-Raiders game, I yeah, think, the next yeah. day or the day after and that. And you're still playing in the G League yep. for, the, for the Ignite. Yeah, we'll, we'll head back there this next year. Okay. Um, and he came to the game the night before the football game, and we had like an hour and a half, two-hour conversation on the phone the next day. Just kind of catching up and he was asking me like hey what well what's next i know like you're playing and you found this niche and it's awesome but like what are you doing about when you're done because you're one injury you're one yeah. you know contract you're one something happening at, at at home from being away yeah. uh while you're away from from being done right so what are you doing about it now and i was like nothing you know i i, I kind of ebbed and flowed throughout my career like really caring about it and doing research and being worried about it, you know, getting anxiety and then going, well, no, I'll be fine. I don't care. I'll, I'll figure something out when it comes. But when he kind of challenged me to like start doing something, I, I, I did. So I got an internship in, um, in February. I met with this VC firm, um, you know, connections to BYU. So I, I used my network. I, you know, got them to basically let me in the door with, with no experience, um, which was, uh, you know, I'm very, very grateful for and I started in April, you know, the short G League season allowed me to do that. And so I did 10 weeks with them. That's um, Pelion Ventures and Cottonwood. And, you know, something that is so outside of my, like my wheelhouse, like <laughs> yeah. completely different. You know, I, I was starting from absolute zero um, as far as knowledge and experience and know-how. Um, and so it was uncomfortable. Um, but after a week, I was like, I should have been doing this way earlier, right? And, and a lot of people do, right? A lot of people have done a better job of it. But but for me, I was like, I should have been doing this out of high school. I should have been doing it while I was in college. I should have been doing it earlier than after my sixth year pro. Um, and so I kind of, you know, happenstance ran into this podcasting team that was building something that edits and produces podcasts using AI. And they said, hey, do a podcast for us. So I thought about it and I was like, why not talk about where I am now in my journey and what I wish I would have done, what I, could, what I would tell myself if I could go back in time, and then meet with other athletes that have done it or that are doing it the right way, um, what they're telling their kids, what they're telling you know, the youth that they come in touch with, and um, see if we can be that resource that, resource that bridge, bridges the gap between former athletes, current athletes, and, and younger athletes that are aspiring to be the very best, but in reality, the numbers are against them, right? They need to start thinking about other things and, and cultivating another side to their life at the same time. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Yeah, that's, um, it's interesting you say that because no matter what, every, every student athlete, sorry, every... Um, Athletic student. Okay. <laughs> Every athletic student right. thinks they're going to the league, right? Like, right. I'm going to the NBA. I'm going to the NFL. And, you know, we, I think we're just so consumed with that goal that, that there is no other reality for right. us, right? Like, this is our reality. It's, it's, it's make or break. And then you kind of even think to yourself, well, if I, have a, if I do have a plan B, 
maybe I'm not confident in myself. Yeah. Right. I'm not giving it my all I'm the planet. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm just gonna not focus on that and then just just you know focus on on going to the league. But what what what's also interesting is uh, Chad Lewis is the one who you know kind of sparked it for you. If that was some random guy um, or a random person, yeah, you know that you couldn't relate to, you would probably just brush it off, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the that's the really cool dynamic of of having some of these people on is they've done it or they're currently doing it. Mm. And I think young athletes will listen to them, right? I I would love if they listen to me too, but but we're bringing other people so that they can hear these same stories that that I'm you know blessed and and grateful to have. You know, I have unbelievable mentors and some really cool friends that are do, doing amazing things on and off the field, on and off the court. And so I just want these conversations to not be private. I want them to be to be public to all athletes. Yeah. What, what I love about it is you're kind of the bridge right here. You're, yeah. you're kind of experiencing the transition a little bit, right? right? You know it's coming soon. Yes, unfortunately, right? yes. And, no, I mean, and soon is relative. It's however many years you still right. want to keep playing. but. You're kind of in that middle ground. Yeah, yeah. You're talking to guys that have already transitioned onto something else, and your audience is, you know, the guys that are still very much in it, chasing yeah. a dream, right? Well, and, and and people that you know look forward to that down the road, right? Yes. Like high school athletes that that yeah. think they're going to make it to college, even like that next step. And and I'm part of the audience too. Like we've done 13 episodes. I think we're trying to do 25 for our our first season, right? And we'll have those done probably by the end of the summer. And I'm learning things like it's helping me figure out my path and what I'm going to do to set myself up. So if it's helping me, I, I like to imagine that it's helping, you know, younger athletes as well. It's called Now for Later. Now for Later, yeah. It debuts on July 17th. Yes. So we actually have an episode zero out right now, which is me, my story, my journey, you know, what uh, what I've done up to this point professionally and in school, um, you know, the, the the parts I wish I would have changed, at least preparing, right? Um, and then the 17th, we'll start releasing weekly with our guests, which will be a lot of fun. Can you, could you, this is a vision I have for you. Could, yeah. could you foresee this turning into like a little agency or a business where you actually, you know, bring on yeah. athletes and, and help them through that journey? I, I think that's a ways <laughs> down the road. Um, it'd take an even bigger commitment, obviously. We have, you know, my team and I have talked about that though, you know, finding a way to turn this into a platform where, we connect current athletes, whether they're high school or college or even pro that maybe haven't started some of these things and connect them with a specific athlete. So if you're, if you're on the women's soccer team right now and you're studying engineering or you're interested in engineering, we literally find you a pro that has done that same thing, that has made that transition, that has done you know, both sides of it and balanced it um, and figured it out. I think something like that would be cool, it's, yeah. but we, we've sure. only just ideated yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much you want to reveal at this point, but... All of it. Okay. <laughs> no, no, we're not hiding anything. Okay. We're going to start posting. It's going to be Who's everywhere. Who's on the guest list? Um, so we've met with um, John Stockton, Harrison Barnes, um, Avery, wow. Avery Bradley, Kyle Van Noy, Jeremy Jones, a snowboarder. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a snowboarding person, sure. so I didn't really I know who he was. I but recognize the name. I yeah. did the research, and, like, the guy's incredible. Like, yes. he, he really, like, revolutionized modern-day snowboarding, like, what it is now. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Obviously, Chad Lewis. Um, you know, some really big names. We have yeses from Steve Young. Has We've had to cancel a couple times. Uh, he's apparently a busy guy. We know about that. Some very busy people. So we have yeses from him. We have yeses from Darren Williams, from Sean Johnson, from Michaela Skinner. 
Fantastic. Um, we have a lot of yeses. It's, it's working with their schedules, um, figuring out what's wor what works best for them. Because um, at the end of the day, like they're, they're, they're very busy. They're trying to balance their lives as well. But what's cool for me and what we're really trying to do um, is sprinkle in like the realistic stories. Like, and I don't want to downplay like these people's careers as professionals as well, but like the realistic stories where maybe you thought about pursuing college soccer, but you decided not to, you did something else, right? And then now you're crushing it. There, one of those is mixed in there. Or you did play college soccer, but you stopped early so that you could focus on school and, and go into finance. That's another story that we've had. Like, I want to make sure that we have this balance of, yeah, John Stockton has an incredible story and some of his, some of his tidbits for life are, are great yes. and they're coming from John Stockton. But you're not going to be John Stockton. No one is. Like, I don't think anyone <laughs> is ever going to be him yeah. or put up the numbers he did. Like, we're, we're seeing that that's clear. You know, some of the things he's did will never be done again. Um, so why not balance that out with somebody that had another really cool, yeah. you know, college, even sometimes professional career, but went a different route and then is, is crushing it in life and doing something else. Outstanding. All right. Uh, we'll finish with this quick hitter. Yeah. BYU is now officially in the Big 12. Amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the Big 12 basketball conference is like a pseudo G League area. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Like it, I, I know it's not there yet, but, <laughs> but like. But really, really it's good. Cool. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. What's your number one bit of advice to BYU basketball to help them transition in to the toughest basketball conference in America? Um, I, you know, I actually had Leanne Pope on the show. Um, amazing perspective. Incredible personality. Woo. Incredible personality awesome and experience. amazing perspective. Yes. Dad was a coach. Brothers played and were coaches. Obviously, she's married to Mark, who studied the LSAT, the MCAT, and the GMAT while he was in the NBA. He's right? unbelievable. Like, talk about preparing now for later, right? has daughters that are playing D1 sports. Anyways, and, and Leanne and I had this conversation. There's not a better coach, not a better family uh, to lead BYU, I think, into the Big 12 because the, the bit of advice I have and the word is patience, right? Mm. Like there's going to be growing pains. It's going to be hard because it's a really tough league. Like I think Pope, uh, Pope put it best when he was like, why not just invite the Boston Celtics, right? Like, <laughs> like there's very, very good players. There's national championships, like recent national championships in there. Um, so they're going to be growing pains. It's going to be hard, but like it's all worth it, right? Every, everything that's worth it is going to be hard in the beginning. So it's going to take some time. Uh, you know, we as a fan base and, and as alumni are going to have to be patient, but it's going to click. And when it does, it's, it's going to bring the whole university to another level. It'll be really cool. Take it from a man who has guarded Victor Wenbanyama. Yeah. And LeBron James. <laughs> and LeBron. I'd, I'd put LeBron first. <laughs> That's right, brother. Right. Great stuff. Hey, you're super stoked for you, man. Yeah, thank you. Really, really it. good stuff uh, coming down the, the line, and we will be dialed in for sure. Yes, yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. Tomorrow, join us for BYU football great moments, as told by players, uh, volume two, players like my quarterback, Max Hall, mm -hmm. um, against Utah and a plethora of yes, others. Yes, yes. See, I use that word. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> tomorrow, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We need to have BYU basketball great moments and have Eric Mika on that show talking about the guns. Just, can win. just play the same game over <laughs> and over. <laughs> Up next, a recent mock drafts have Kingsley Suomata'i in a new place. We'll tell you where and are you buying it? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. 
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Am I missing any? I think you got them all. That's that's multi-platform is what we are. Yeah, a be real. Like, is it? Do we have a be real? I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's enough. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Do you TikTok. have a TikTok account? No, I'm afraid. What, Blaine? If listen, you're extremely musically gifted. Like, I should you, get one. You should get a TikTok and just like Will focus you on your family. Movie? Show off your family and their musical talents. Okay. It's, it's on. I'm Yourself it. included. I'm gonna do it. Let's go. <laughs> Call it Fowler Magic or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we'll do it. Showcase the music. Yes, I'm Spencer. He is Blaine. Let's get to today's headlines. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Blaine, start us off with a little volleyball. Yeah, let's start with Trent Moser. He's been added to the official travel roster for the 2023 FIVB Men's U21 World Championship. Let's go, Trent. How about that? Take, there's are taking place in Mon, Monoma, Bahrain. Yes. Uh, from July 7th through the 16th, the U.S. will have their first game in the men's tournament U21 championships against Argentina Friday at 2. How about representing BYU? Trent Mosier, right out of kind of nowhere, big-time player yes. for BYU, was just a freshman last year doing great things on the world stage. Outstanding. My introduction to Bahrain was in the Asia Games when I was a missionary in South Korea and I watched South Korea's national soccer team beat up on Bahrain. Wow. Yeah, at a World Cup stadium. On to baseball, Daniel Schneeman. Uh, what else can we say about the dude that we haven't already said over the past two months? He is red hot within the Cleveland Guardians farm system. Four for four on Monday night with the Columbus Clippers, triple-A ball, and a loss to the Toledo Mudheads, but who cares? He was four for four. He had two hits and two runs batted in last night and went over the Nashville Sounds as well. He continues to lead the Guardians' entire farm system in batting average. He's hit more home runs this season than he has in any previous season, and we're only in early July. Blaine. He's getting it done. And Jackson Clough in double-A ball scored a run, stole a base, and was walked twice for the Harrisburg Senators in their loss to the Akron Rubber Ducks. Awesome stuff. I love the name. So, <laughs> hey, former BYU grad Rashawn Brodus will join the Toronto Raptors coaching staff as an assistant video coordinator, player development coach. Brodus played for BYU from 2005 to 2007. Previously was with the Memphis Grizzlies in the same role. Hey, that, that's a great starting point. Eric Spolstra started yeah. there. If, yeah, the head coach of the Miami Heat. Eric Absolutely. Spolstra started it's in okay that to start very there. role. That's for sure. Those are today's headlines. Now let's opinionate in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's start with this. Micah Harper is the fifth highest graded returning safety in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus. Ooh. Is he BYU's most underrated defensive player? Wayne, he might be. He might be like, and and this is a credit to Micah because he just kind of quietly goes about his business until all of a sudden he lowers the boom, and then you're like, oh yeah, BYU has that guy. Uh, Mike is not super outspoken. If I'm not giving it to him, I'm probably giving it to one of his best friends, Jacob Robinson. Amen to Jacob Robinson. It's either Micah or Jacob as BYU's most underrated, underappreciated defensive player. 100% with you, and Micah's going to get a lot more action in the box because he'll play him up on the line of scrimmage in this blitz defense yes. and get him hitting even more. But I am with you. Jacob Robinson is right there. Those two deserve more credit. Yes. 
five defensive backs on the field is going to happen a lot. Yes, it is. They'll move them around, but there are going to be five defensive backs on the field. San Diego State has now claimed they never left the Mountain West. But the Mountain West Conference is insisting the Aztecs still owe the $17 million exit fee. <laughs> is, is this the end of San Diego State to the Big 12 or the Pac-12 for that matter? First of all, my simple answer is no, it's not the end of that. I think there's still ongoing discussions because I think San Diego State is the most attractive yes, non-P5 left. If you want to get on the West Coast yeah. and a team that's like more available than depending on what happens with the Pac-12, they're the team, right? Right. So I, I do not think it's the end of the discussions with either entity, the Pac-12 or the Big 12. I would love for personal reasons, because I'm close to a lot of the folks in the program, to see San Diego State in the Big 12. I love the, I love the rivalry with BYU. Bring, get him in the Big 12. Bring, give me San Diego State and Colorado right now, Blaine. Okay, I'm with you. Give so, me, whatever. Joey Chestnut. Everybody knows that name. It's a household name. He's a dynasty He's all in of himself. He's of hot dog eating. He won his 16th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest Championship yesterday. He ate 62 hot dogs in 10 <laughs> minutes. 62. They, they put water on him stuff to make yeah, him go down how, a little easier. How? If you could eat 62 hot dogs in exchange... <laughs> For one win on BYU's schedule, which game would you pick? Oh, probably Arkansas. Okay, okay, yeah. One because you know pork, pork dogs, Razorbacks. I get it. I get the okay. tie. So I get tie the there. tie. But if BYU Sweet. starts, yes. If BYU starts three and zero, Blaine, our jobs are going to get very, very fun. So it changes the game as the Cougars go into Big Twelve play. If you're three and zero, you're probably in the top twenty-five, just like barely sneak in, or you're just outside. And then you you open Big 12 play, you beat Kansas, you're four, and then you get to the best case scenario you presented in the A block, which is five, five and zero. Yep. You got to beat Arkansas. I, I would, yeah. You traded for that hot dog team for. I Arkansas. mean, I kind of want Texas on the road just to send them off with one more loss <laughs> to, be for, to forever to be emblazoned to, to, to in the minds of. Continue the dominance against. But Texas. I would take Arkansas too. So beating Texas would be pretty sweet. Yeah. All right, Blaine. Which was the better firework display? BYU's Big 12 celebration when the clock struck midnight from June 30th to July 1st, or your lack of 4th of July fireworks because you didn't go see them last night. Well, because my thing was neighborhood of fire. So it's, it's a very easy for me. I did neighborhood of fire for the 4th. but So I'm going to go with the BYU Big 12 celebration. Yes. And, yes. and because the fans turned out and the energy level was off the show. Look at this stuff. That's incredible. Come on, you can't beat that stuff. BYU's fan base and the rock are second to none. I'm taking the rock and BYU's fans. Yeah, the wise lighting up, fireworks it being exploded off in the distance off of Helaman Fields. Yes. Like that was, that was nuts. That was epic. And and it, you know what, I'm just, just neighborhood of fire just didn't stand up. <laughs> just didn't stand up. <laughs> neighborhood of fire. <laughs> oh, that would be the title of the show today if we still did. Yes, neighborhood. neighborhood of fire. <laughs> yes, up next. We hear more from you about your realistic best and worst case scenarios for BOE football in year one of Big 12 play. Do, are, do you think they're going to go to the championship game? Could happen, right? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. When we minded BYU went back to the Mountain West Conference. No, any old conference. That uh, so much multiverse happening these days I know, right? in our day and age, right? That said, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. 
an all Big 12 honor or an all Big 12 snub? You decide. What's trending? Presented by Feast Box, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Yes, the preseason all Big 12 teams are out, Brian. And the preseason awards for the offensive and defensive players of the year, along with the newcomer of the year. The only BYU player to grace the list, if you will, is a man out of Orem High School and a five-star high school recruit. The only man, I believe only the second man to ever start a game for BYU as a five-star recruit, Kingsley Suomataia, was named an all-Big 12 first-team preseason pick on the offensive line. So my question for you is, and there are a few here as it pertains to this list, Brian. First and foremost, is there any BYU football player right now not named on the list yesterday that deserves to be on the list right now? So like I said earlier, I, I was shocked that you know BYU had one person, and, and that's just mostly because of you know, they're, they're newcomers, right? BYU's a newcomer. And with, with, all, with all conference and preseason awards, a lot of it has to do with um, familiarity, right? And understanding who these players are. Um, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of clout. There's a lot of buzz involved. Yeah. Usually if you, let's say if you're a sophomore and you win all, you win a, you know, uh, all conference honors, most likely, your junior year, you, you'll, you'll get the honors. Your senior year, you get the honors just because, right? It doesn't really matter about your performance. Um, and so, you know, usually guys have these positions locked in already. Uh, media, media members who are, who are voting, they, they, they know these guys in and out. Okay. So I, that's why I was shocked. I was like, wow, okay. okay. Um, but I thought if anybody would be on there, it would be Aiden Robbins. Ah, interesting. And just, just listening to, to, to media... Uh, members of the Big 12 okay. that are familiar with, you know, uh, these teams, they thought the current running back that was on there or two running backs on there was, was kind of up for grabs, kind of iffy, right? And um, I think when you look at the production that Aiden had, uh, not, a, not a lot of running backs, you know, get at the, over 1,000 yards rushing. And, and I can see how they, they say, well, you know, they, he did that in the Mountain West. That's that's uh, that's. That's not the Big 12, sure, right? Sure. UNLV, you know, Cedric, Cedric. I can see that. But, um, you know, production and, and numbers, I think, if, if, you, if you understand productions and numbers, um, I think he'll, he would have similar numbers in comparison to, a big, you know, to the Big 12. You right? feel like his Mountain West numbers are going to translate to the yeah. Big 12, yeah. given the increase in help in his offensive line and what he has innately as a football player, is that what I'm gathering? Just, I mean, everything, right? I mean, he, he's, he's coming from, like, I don't know, like a 1993 Honda to, you know, like a, like a Mercedes. Yes, <laughs> but he's an elite driver is what you are saying. Right, exactly. So he's an elite driver right. that didn't have the machinery around mm -hmm. him to, you know, perform at that elite level, yeah. speaking of cars. Absolutely. So, I mean, we could, we could talk about from just the, the coaching standpoint, right? Um, you mentioned the offensive line. You could talk about the resources that he's getting, okay. right? F food and nutrition, strength and, strength and conditioning program. I mean, all of those things, right, are going to enhance what he's already, what he already has, yeah. which is, which is, which is already good. I mean, the characteristics that he brings as a football player. And so I think if 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 media members really studied each team, like newcomers, yeah, yeah. I think I think he would be on there. Uh, Kingsley, to me, is it's almost like you can you can Google. 
like top prospects in Kingsley is going to come up, right? He's a projected first-round yeah. draft pick by most major NFL draft so experts. Those, those media those media members are like, oh, okay. Yeah, he, we'll throw him in there. Uh, yeah, toss him in there. First rounder, yeah. throw him in. He should be good. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think there's a little bit of that uh, involved as For well. For sure. Which is, yeah. which is fine. That's I understand. Fine. It, ha- yeah. it kind of has to be that way, right? Especially right. with the four new teams coming in. It's like, well, what are these teams that have not competed in the Big 12 until this right. year, and who do they bring over? And – what players do they have that are good enough to fit in with the already pretty solid core right. of players within yeah. the Big 12 Conference? Absolutely. It's Absolutely. a fun conversation. I like the direction you're going with Aiden Robbins. I don't know that I'm ready to give him a straight-up first-team preseason all-Big 12 nod, but I do think he has a legitimate case to be the newcomer of the year. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. part of this list. Yeah. Because- that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.